Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard. And we have another guest this week. We have Thomas Harrington on the show. Say hi, Thomas. Hey, good to be on. Uh, you may have read some of uh, Thomas's articles recently. He only wrote like maybe five billion of them. But uh, he covered the uh, the draft, a lot of the prospects, uh, news, uh, the development camp, all kinds of different things. So there's a lot of articles out there, and he's with us on the show today. We're going to talk about... Um, all the draft picks, some of the qualifying offers that the Ducks made, and a whole bunch of other news as well. So glad Thomas can be on the show, and thanks for all the work you do because you've been really keeping the the, uh, the website up and going for the last couple of weeks. Happy to do so. It's a lot of fun. All right. So when we did the last show, we talked about Corey Perry. We'll start this show a little bit with that before we go into the draft and some of the other Duck news. But uh I guess, Eddie, uh, <laughs> we were on the last show. We were talking about how he, they were trying to work out a deal. Uh, uh, deal did not obviously happen because, of course, the day after the podcast, they announced the uh, buyout. So uh, just kind of get your guys' uh, reactions. Uh, Eddie, what did you think? Uh, they weren't able to do that trade. They, they tried it. Uh, Pierre Lebrun said that Perry uh, submitted a 4-16 to six team list. Obviously, that didn't work out. You and I both talked about not liking the buyout. Now that it's here and it's happened, uh, I guess, what's your immediate reaction? Well, I, I still don't like the buyout because we're responsible for pretty much his contract, especially next season uh, for that $6 million. But we're still responsible for the contract for the next four seasons. Uh, I would prefer a trade, but, I mean, obviously it didn't work out. He gave the Ducks limited teams that he would, would accept the trade to. And I think it's smart on his point. Uh, if I were a player in his position – and, you know, a team was potentially going to buy me out, I would give them a list of teams that I knew wouldn't take me so I can have that option. I can, number one, still get paid a portion of my contract. And number two, I have the freedom to negotiate any team in the league and make the best decision for myself to play. I mean, he has a wife and a son too. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be, you know, taken into consideration uh, which team he wants to go and sign for. But he has the freedom to do whatever he wants. And he does want to win. And I'm pretty sure this kind of lit under his ass to – you know, start performing better. So I, I can see Perry having a, a better season next season. Hopefully he's in the Eastern Conference and not in the Western. I mean, that's preferably, but um, I, I'm just, the only thing I'm glad about is Bob Murray stepped out of his comfort zone and do something different this time and really showing that he wants to, you know, implement change to the Ducks and, and get younger and get faster. So, I mean, that's the only thing that's good. I mean, it's bad as a fan, the emotion part, that's, you know, Perry's been with us for the last 14 seasons and won a cup. And, you know, he always grinded it out and, under the player's skins he's like you know a physical player the type of player i like but you know i mean at the, at the end of the day it's all business and the ducks need to just get back to being competitive and winning that's all that matters you know chasing that cup and winning it you know you you bring up two good points there uh, eddie one which was actually mentioned in the tsn article where they talked to perry about him uh you know lighting a fire under his ass as you talked about and of course uh murray uh, changing pace maybe a little bit. And we saw some of that in the draft too that we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But what do you think, Thomas, about Perry going to another team and then having success at another team? Do you think that's something that concerns you with the buyout? Are, are you upset about the buyout as well as Eddie and I are? Or are you kind of like, well, 
we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. Or are you hoping he goes to the East Coast team? That's also what Eddie and I are kind of hoping too, so we don't have to play him as much. But what's your take on the whole buyout? So I'm of two minds. As a fan, I'm incredibly sad. Uh, I, I've watched Perry his entire career. I'll always remember uh, in Game 5 against Ottawa, he scores that goal to make it 6-2 with three minutes left. And that was the moment I was like, okay, we're going to win the Cup. And just what a great moment that was uh, to see. So as a fan, I'm incredibly sad uh, to see him gone. But I get it. He hasn't lived up to expectations. He had, what, 10 points in 30 games this past year after that surgery. He didn't look like himself. That being said, personally, I wouldn't have bought him out. I would have kept him for another season. Um, And if he didn't perform this season, then I would have bought him out next summer. But I think he was bought out because of performance. The Ducks feel they have at least four, if not five, right-wingers in their system to play above him. I mean, right now, their top two right-wingers are um, Silverberg and uh, Kase. Uh, after that, there's Terry, there's Sprong, there's Sherwood. So that's five right-wingers right there. And take out salaries, take out fan love, and you can make a strong argument that all five of those players are at least at Perry's level, if not well above. So there's not really room for him on the roster, and I think that's ultimately why he was bought out, to give these five players... Uh, more playing time, more of a chance, and not have that shadow of Perry uh, be around them. And I think ultimately that's why, because right now, Kosei is our top scoring winger. Silverberg, you can have the second or third line. Terry, you probably want on the se- uh, second scoring line. Sprong, you also want on a scoring line if you can. So that's four players right, now, right there who can all score better than Perry did last year. Well, Terry did score better than Perry did last year, but he likely will this season. And then as wherever he goes... I hope he has a great year next year. I really do. And I hope he tears up the Eastern Conference. I do not want to see him in the West. I want him in the East. And for those two games he plays against the Ducks, I'm going to be very sad. I'm also going to be very annoyed when he's sitting on John Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the thing, too, is is this is kind of interesting. And, and Eddie and I were talking about this just, just right now. <laughs> we're messaging each other during the show. And, you know, do you, do you boo or do you cheer Perry when he comes back and plays whatever team he's on. I mean, if he if he goes to San Jose, the Sharks, good God, help us. But if he goes to some other team, hopefully Eastern Conference team, what do you think, Thomas? Would you cheer for him or would you boo him or would you just kind of intently watch? <laughs> I would cheer until he did something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right like you said go annoy gibson or go go play some shenanigans by the bench or something <laughs> yeah uh, up until that point i'm okay once he's on gibson though no oh, right right then, well hey we saw gibson last season he might put perry in a headlock that would be a sight to see <laughs> so yeah you're right I, you know i feel the same way and, and eddie and i talked about it too it's personally yeah, i'm sorry it's a little shot to the heart not gonna lie Looking into it with your brain and, and your mind instead, yeah, like you said, he hasn't performed as well. I think Eddie and I were kind of hoping, like you said, maybe he hangs on for another year and then they try and trade or do the buyout, which obviously that's not going to happen. So that's kind of where we're looking at. But I guess moving forward, we have a couple of fan questions on this too. Actually, some good ones too. One of them, uh, Eddie, what do you think about this one? You know, George asks, with Perry leaving, do you think it's going to affect other players' performances, but he's specifically talking about Getzloff. Do you think that that's going to make any kind of difference at all? 
um, with uh, obviously Perry being gone now? I think it's going to affect Getzoff a little bit. I mean, obviously, Getzoff's a professional athlete, and he knows how to deal with you know the business of the game. But, I mean, that's his best bud right there. His best bud's going to be – going to be gone and so maybe you know just he, i guess he's i guess in the locker room i want to say more than, than his performance on the ice i mean he, your your best friend is, is pretty much on a different team and especially when he comes back and plays against you i think it's, it's going to affect Getzloff that game more than anything seeing perry in a different uniform playing against him instead of you know with him so i mean i could say that as far as the rest of the team i think Bob Murray buying out Corey Perry sends a really huge message team. Like, you know, if Perry could be bought out spending the 14 seasons and, you know, with the franchise and a player that you thought would retire with the team, if he could be bought out, I mean, anyone could be bought out or traded. So no one's safe. So you better, you know, stop just playing these 45 minute games and you better start skating for 60 minutes when you're out there and every shift you go there. You know, and that is an interesting point. Uh, Thomas, do you think Murray ended up sending a message? Uh, like Eddie's talking about? I'm not sure if he intended to, but there's no question that one has been sent. You know, play the game to the best of your ability, um, and if the game has passed you by, then he'll seek to move on. Unless you're in a situation where your contract is a little more team-friendly. I mean, Perry's over $8 million a season. They just couldn't do any more, especially all those young up-and-coming players. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, whether he intended it or not, for sure, a, a message was definitely sent. I think it was definitely received as well. And that we, that was kind of the theme, you know, the rest of the second half of last season, too. You know, he traded away Cagliano. He got rid of Carlisle. You know, some things started going certain ways, and, and people were surprised by some of those actions. So I, I agree with you, Eddie. I think he uh, did send a message, you know, like we said, whether it's uh, intentional or not. So... Uh, we have one more, I guess, question on Perry that we'll take right now real quick, and then we'll shift gears and go to the draft. But uh, we had Josh asks, with Perry bought out now, do you think the Ducks make any kind of big uh, trades or signings? And and we'll talk a little bit about free agency towards the end of the show, but do you think that they make any kind of huge move, Eddie? Uh, this year, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't get them to buy out Perry. And to have Bob Murray actually do what he said he was going to do, and he did. So he already hired a, a, a coach already that – you know, we were still on the fence about who was going to hire. He went with a different way of hiring a more of a team-friendly coach that, that wants to transition the game to media and kind of that grinding effect. And also he bought out here. So I think it's going to be unpredictable. And maybe he might not be bargain Bob. Or maybe he might step up from the 99 cent store and go to Big Lots hat for players. I mean, he's going to himself. I, I hope he's out there overpay, though. Because, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have these big name players. But you don't want to bring in someone, give them a big contract that they're not worth. And they don't perform to that, to that ability. And then, boom. Four or five years from now, you're in that same position. You're buying a player, and you're gonna have to pay them for the four seasons, something like that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And and regard, we'll talk about specific names, I guess, kind of later on in the show when we get to the free agency part. But I think he's gonna stay the course for that and kind of shy away from that. Uh, he's talked about that recently, and I think Thomas, you know, we talk about obviously the Kessler situation in the past and trying to work that you know contract out now, and him being gone for a season, the Eves thing, which is unfortunate, you know, unforeseen. Uh, the Perry deal as well. I, I don't know if if Murray will try to do something big, but I still think he's going to be cautious, don't you think, uh, Thomas? I don't. I don't think he's going to try and overpay too much for whatever move he does. You know, make you know, come the free agency in July. Agreed. I think this is one of the few years there are actually free agents worth the money that will be given out. But I think those big ones, Bob, will still stay away from. I think this year he really wants to see what these young players can do and what they're made of. Give him this year, 
maybe even the following season. And then once he knows who's going to work long-term or who's not, then maybe take a dip into free agency to supplement what he has. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and like I said, we'll throw out some specific names of, of who we want to come uh, to Anaheim or who we think, you know, maybe, you know, he might pull. Uh, so hang on for your seats for that one. That'll be towards the end of the show. But what we'll do now is focus mainly on the draft because obviously that's what happened last week. And that's what we said on the last show we were going to talk about. So, of course, Hughes and Kako, they went one and two, no big surprise. And then after that, things started getting all crazy. There was a trade in the middle of this with P.K. Subban and a bunch of different things happened. We'll talk about some of that. But let's focus on the Ducks first, Thomas. You covered all of this, which was awesome. And I appreciate it because I was really busy this week. <laughs> I was working almost every day. So, yeah, it was rough. But I, I appreciate you uh, with all the articles. And Eddie, too, working the social media, both of you like saved my ass really in this last week. I could not have covered this stuff without both of your help. So I really, really appreciate it. Oh, Thomas kicked ass those articles, in-depth articles. Like I said, he's our prospect expert. And he just, he, he grinded out with all those articles and it's all catch up. I was like, whoa, so I had to sit down really just focus and read the articles and then go back and reread them today to, you know, to get ready for today's show. But it was really good writing. And I really appreciate you taking the time to write articles. And I hope you guys, if you haven't read them, uh, go and read them. If you, if you read them already, read them again. I mean, this is our future right here for the Ducks, and they're well-written articles. Or if you don't know how to read, with no problem, I'll have some to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it's true. I mean, Thomas, I don't know if you were, like, not sleeping this last two weeks or what. <laughs> two weeks before the draft, I'm just kind of spending my time reading about all the prospects who I think Anaheim uh, has a shot at or could be interested in based upon where they're drafting. And unfortunately, this year I had to wait until two weeks before the draft because I had to wait for the Sharks to be knocked out to know when the Ducks would be picking. (laughs) Right, right. That was part of it. You're right. Because we knew the Ducks had the ninth pick. We weren't really sure how it was going to work out for the next one. So if you you forgot or or didn't know, the Ducks had the ninth and the 29th pick in the first round. Uh, We did talk about uh, Trevor Zegras on the last show. That was who the Ducks did pick ninth. Some people were kind of surprised by that. And then they went uh, 29th, they went with uh, Braden Tracy. So what did you think about uh, these two picks? I know you wrote your articles, Thomas. Uh, I actually reread them too. It's funny that Eddie mentioned that because I was like, I need to check these out again uh, to go over some stuff. But what did you think? Uh, did the Ducks get lucky with Zgrass coming down? I mean, some of the, the polls had um, uh, you know, a little bit higher. Uh, what did you think about those first two picks for the Ducks? First of all, before I say anything, I just want to say, I don't get to see these guys a lot during the year, so most of the information I'm getting is secondhand from Pronman, LeBron, and all the other prospect experts out there. Um, and then also video I look at on YouTube after the fact. Um, but for Zegris, I am thrilled the Ducks got him. I thought he was going to go in the top five or six players. I actually thought the Ducks were going to pick uh, Kirby Doc. He was the guy I was focused on, and Chicago took him third overall. So I was like, okay, there goes Doc, but Zegris is still there, so they've got a, they've got a slim shot. And, he kept falling. He kept falling. Uh, he was there at nine. I was like, okay, he's got to be the one, right? The Ducks went up there. They picked him, and I was absolutely thrilled by this pick. Right now, before this draft, Sam Steele was the Ducks' number one prospect. He might become a first-line center. More likely, he's going to be a very good second-line center. After this draft, Zegris is the Ducks' number one prospect. He is the heir apparent to Ryan Getzloff if he can develop properly. He played with Jack Hughes on that um, stacked U.S. national development team where they had seven players chosen in the first 15 picks from one team, which is a record that I don't think will ever be broken. 
So Jack Hughes, he was their number one center. Zgrass was their second. He is one of the best passers in the draft. Um, a lot of people said second, possibly only to Hughes. He's very creative. I think it, uh, Eric Stevens had a, an article up talking about his uh, video game-like passing ability. That's just what he goes on the ice. And he makes these passes. You're like, how did he do that? So I, I, I love this pick. I'm thrilled to get him. Yeah, he's just he's a phenomenal uh, passer and playmaker, and he plays a very different game than Getzloff. Getzloff is a power forward. Zegris is not. Uh, he relies much more on his skill and skating ability to get by. But you know, if he works out, the Ducks finally have their next number one center. Yeah, that was uh, it's interesting you brought up Getzloff because I saw some comments about him, you know, replacing Getzloff, being a Getzloff clone, and whatnot. I, that's, I'm really excited to see how this guy will do. Uh, Eddie and I did talk about him, like we said in the last show. And the thing, I guess the only concern I would really have with him is, I mean, maybe he's a little bit different, like you said, at the power forward game, but I hope he doesn't pass too much. <laughs> I, We've I, never seen that. I know, right? I, I mean, who, who does that on the team? I don't know anybody that does that. So I, I think I'm not knocking him at all. I, I mean, I'm super ecstatic that we have him. That's just the only thing that I've seen is that I, I hope that he works on, on you know, his offensive mindset in terms of shooting too, as well as passing. But absolutely, like you said, I I was happy that we got him. I did not know if he would fall that low. Eddie and I were kind of mentioned him. We were like, oh, well, maybe he'll come that, you know, our way, and we got him. So, like you said, uh, I, I'm happy with that choice. And then when the Ducks' uh, 29th pick, they went with a winger, and they went with uh, Braden Tracy, a guy who, you know, he had 36 goals uh, last year in 66 games, and he was the WHL Rookie of the Year. So what did you think of the Ducks picking him up, Thomas? Brandon Tracy, I did not know a thing about him before this pick was made. I thought the Ducks were going to take a defenseman. This draft was not known for a lot of high-end defensemen, so I figured there'd be a couple of good ones late in the first round. But lo and behold, the draft didn't go as you expected. A lot of defensemen went in the mid-teens and early 20s. Um, so most of the good ones were gone before the Ducks could make their pick. So they took Braden Tracy, uh, like you said, WHL Rookie of the Year this past season. He also was one of the uh, fastest risers on draft lists throughout the year because of how good he was. He's a scorer. That's what he does. You know, 36 goals. He's going to score 40 next year, if not 50 in the WHL, as long as he can stay healthy. Some people have actually said, you know, this is the next Getzloff and Perry duo. I'm not willing to say that. Like I said, Zgress, I think, is the heir apparent to Getzloff. I'm not going to say Tracy is going to be the next Perry, though. He should be a very, very good a scoring winger for the team um, mix him in with Comtois with Jones and a couple of the other wingers that have in their system and the Ducks are going to have a couple of really good uh, scoring wingers to go next to uh, Zegers and Steele going forward you know that's an interesting point that you bring up about the next you know Getzloff and Perry uh, Eddie what do you think uh, we talked about a Zegers on the last show and then of course Braden Tracy uh, same thing we didn't really think about him so you thinking uh, Getzloff Perry duo, or maybe just uh, Zegras is like Getzloff? Uh, what's, what's your thoughts on that notion? I think it's going to be a, a, a Zegras and Tracy duel. They're going to be there, or like uh, Jack Hughes. He, he, he doesn't want to be like Patrick Kane. He wants to be like Jack Hughes and stuff. I think these players are going to develop in their own style and play their own their own way. Uh, Zegras said too, and he acknowledged the fact that he wants to be able to shoot more and score goals. So he said that during his uh, combine or whatever that thing's called a uh, interview. He said he wants to, you know, I guess that's one thing he wants to work on is be able to, to shoot the puck more. But he has over, I think it was 100 career assists in 116 games. So obviously he's a, he's a, he's a passer, he's a playmaker. But 
I think if he sees the um, if he sees the open lane and he sees a, a spot pick for the goalie, he's gonna go in and shoot. And then with, with Tracy, yeah, he's real patient and he has a quick shot and he's a goal scorer and we need that. We need a player that you know. Sometimes you know, like I said, it, it's, it's annoying when you hear fans continuously say shoot, shoot, shoot. But in the Ducks' case, it's like okay, please shoot. I mean, I, I think that's only acceptable to yell shoot at Honda Center. The whole entire, but. <laughs> The, the last show we talked about Zegris, and I said it's going to frustrate fans, especially with all the passing. But I think since he really acknowledged the fact that he wants to be able to, you know, to kind of, you know, expand his game and be able to be that, you know, that shooter too, and not just known for a pass first play. If he has, you know, an open shot, go ahead and take it. So I think once he develops that portion of his game, he, he's going to be an overall great player. And I agree with Thomas, and he's probably the Ducks' number one prospect right now. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I like these first-round picks, you know. And then what was kind of crazy is we found out after the fact is that the Ducks almost traded up, and, you know, they tried to get uh, the 18th pick and almost got Krebs. And we, I, we were going to talk about him on the last show. We actually – I have him on my list, uh, my notes from the, the previous show. But, of course, he uh, was injured with his Achilles issue so we eddie and i both thought oh well maybe they won't go for him and then here we go uh thomas we talked about it before this show you would have been super ecstatic if the ducks would have gotten uh krebs oh yeah if zegers was gone and and uh doc with doc being gone um uh, krebs was actually one of the players i had uh that anaheim would likely pick at number nine so i was actually really surprised to see him fall out of the 12th then past 15 so when he was there and Vegas took with 17, I was like, ah, dang it. And then when I heard that the Ducks were going to trade with Dallas to trade up to take, take Krebs at 18, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, as much as I like uh, Tracy, there were some who had uh, Krebs as the best player available when the Ducks were making their pick at number nine. That's how good he, this kid is. The Achilles injury is worrisome, but uh, based on everything I've seen and read, he should fully recover. So if you could have gotten uh, Zegris and Krebs in this draft, the Ducks' center of prospect depth would have just been absurd between those two and Sam Steele going forward. So I would have loved to see that deal go down. It'd be absolutely worth it, in my opinion. But uh, it didn't happen. Still, I'm very happy with Tracy. And I also like the kid we got at 39 as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and, it was, and I noticed that too because I remember when you wrote your article, you were talking about him as well. So uh, I think what Eddie and I both thought too is he was one of those where the numbers started going down because of that injury. Like you said, he was earlier on, he was really high up there. So that might have been something why some teams, you know, uh, considered other options or whatnot, which we saw a lot of that in the draft. We can, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But as far as the rest of the Ducks picks, Thomas, they went uh, defensive heavy. After that, uh, whichever one you want to talk about, I mean, we can talk. You got the other five guys on here: uh, Jackson Lacombe, Henry Thrun, Trevor uh, Janicki, William Francis, and Matthew Hill. So, however, whichever ones you want to discuss, the floor is yours. But uh, the Ducks did, you know, backfill the uh, the blue line, so to speak, with the rest of the picks, mostly. So I'll just go in order. But first, I want to say I think it was the right move to go defensive heavy in this draft. Last year, in 2018, the Ducks took one defenseman, Hunter Drew, in the sixth round. In 2017, no defenseman. In 2016, Josh Mahur in the third round, and that was it. So they have not drafted a lot of defensemen over the last uh, several years, and we've seen a lot make it to the NHL, both in Anaheim and in other places. So it was time to start restocking that cupboard. So Lacombe, he was the first high schooler chosen uh, in the draft. A lot like Tracy, um, he was a really big riser. Um, some he wasn't in the top 100 for most teams at the start of the year, so but he just kept climbing draft charts. 
and the Ducks, uh, what, they were very happy to get him. I believe he is uh, formerly a uh, forward, so he's got a lot of offensive potential. He does need to work on his defensive skills. There's no question about it. But he's going to the University of Minnesota next year. Uh, they're a great program. Um, so he's going to get a chance over the next couple of years to really def- refine his defensive game. And I really like this pick. Next up, um, so the Ducks had no third round pick, so they had to wait until the fourth round where they picked uh, Henry Thrun, 101st overall. He was another player on that U.S. national development team, um, Zegris' teammate. He's not a big-time scorer the way Lacombe is from the blue line, but he's a very safe player. Uh, he's a, his defensive game is much more uh, well-rounded than Lacombe's is. So he's the kind of guy who could be a fourth, fifth, sixth defenseman several years down the line. He's also going to college next year. Where's he going? He's going to Harvard. Uh, so he'll actually be with a uh, fellow Anaheim prospect, Jack Bedini. So uh, I, this is another pick I uh, really like. And next up, they picked uh, Trevor Janicki uh, in the fifth round. He's a center. He played in the USHL last year. He scored uh, 22 goals in 58 games. He's not a big-time scorer. He's not incredibly creative the way Zegris is, but he does go to the net and scores a lot of uh, dirty, greasy goals. Um, the kind of goal you need to score in the playoffs. Look what St. Louis did um, over the last two months. So if he can develop properly, he could be uh, he could make it to the NHL um, as a Paulson or a Marchant type player someday. And he'll be going to uh, Notre Dame next season. And then the sixth round, the uh, Ducks had two picks. They first chose William Francis, and then they chose uh, Matthew Hill. Francis was in the uh, USHL last season. Uh, he's big. He is 6'5 and probably still go- growing. He's a punishing physical player. Very little offensive ability. Uh, he had 10 points in uh, 59 games last season. So he's not there to uh, score goals. He's there to block a shot and throw a big hit. He'll be going to the University of Minnesota Duluth next season. And uh, we'll see uh, how he develops. Um, if he wants to get to the NHL, he's going to have to expand his offensive game. But, you know, we've seen late round picks uh, be able to do that. Just look at Jacob Magna. He was a seventh round big body, no offensive skill to speak of when he was chosen. And, you know, he played almost 30 games for the Ducks this past year. And finally, Hill was the uh, lone player taken for Canadian Juniors. Um, he plays for the Barry Colts of the OHL. Like Francis, not a lot of uh, offensive ability. He had 13 points in 65 games. He's another defensive defenseman with size. Um, he's going to be in Barry for another two years and maybe even a third overage season as well. So for me, I really, really like the picks of uh, Lacombe and Thrun. Janicki is one that is very interesting to me. If he works out, it's a fantastic pick. And if he doesn't, well, he's a fifth round pick. Francis and Hill, I'm a little less thrilled with um, because of how similar the two players are. Um, they're both big body physical defensemen, not a lot of offensive upside. They both actually remind me of uh, Anaheim prospect uh, Steven Ruggiero. He was chosen in the uh, sixth round of the 2015 draft. And if the Ducks don't sign him before August 15th, he'll become a free agent. And just what I've read about these two reminds me a lot of him, just this big body stay-at-home defenseman. And those aren't bad players to pick, but I thought it was a little odd to pick two of them in the sixth round when there were some uh, forwards with offensive upside who, you know, you might find the next Andre Casse in there if you pick someone who can score 20 goals. So I think picking one was fine. Picking both, I thought, 
was a little strange, but you know, maybe both work out and both are in Anaheim, you know, five, six years down the line. And if so, uh, that's a great use of two six round picks. So those two we'll have to wait and see on. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, your analysis, you know, like you said, uh, with your articles and whatnot too, and going on those picks. So uh, I, I would have thought maybe they would have got one more for two, like you said, towards the end. Uh, Eddie, what did you think about all the rest of the picks after the first round for the Ducks? I like Lacombe too. I, I think a lot of other teams liked him as well. He was uh, he had 26 other teams. So, I mean, he had interest uh, coming into the draft as well. Uh, he wants to model him like former Ducks defenseman Shade Theodore. I mean, that's not a bad person to model your game after. So I, I like that pick too. And and I agree with Thomas a lot, uh, skipping down and going to Janicki, you know, that, that grinding kind of forward that crashes the net and gets those dirty, greasy goals. If he could just, you know, develop in that, you know, bottom six type role, I think you mentioned uh, Sammy Paulson, I believe, uh, or, or Todd Marchand. Uh, I think that will be a fantastic player for the Ducks. And you've seen what those guys did when we won the Cup. Uh, they were crucial to the team. So I, I really like that. And, and the other two defensemen, and I, I'm going to just answer uh, Alex Rodriguez's question when he said if any of the picks could be superstars. Uh, you never know. Like Any of these picks could just develop away and be that next superstar player. I mean, look at players like Doug Gilmore or Brett Hall or Datsuk. I mean, they were, what, maybe six, seventh, eighth round picks. Uh, I think one of them was ninth. I mean, you never know what the draft. You never know how these players could, you know, can like what can they do? Uh, Luke Robitaille was drafted in the uh, the ninth round, 171st overall. And, I mean, look what he's accomplished. So any of these players, I mean, y- you can start off by number one and, ho- you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen. But, you know, Zegers, can, he, he can just be a bust. And then we can have, you know, someone like Matthew Hill come and be the next, you know, shut down defenseman, Chris Pronger kind of superstar player. I mean, you just never know what this traffic, you never know what these players are you know their ability until they start developing it, and you know you give them that chance and the opportunity, and let them grow and see their potential. But overall, the first you know the first four or five picks, you know, easily the first four. That's I'm dunk. I mean, I I'd be surprised if none of these kids ever played in the NHL. But I think all these guys are going to play for this, you know in the near future, and it just goes down from the fifth in the two six rounds. It just you, you never know how they're going to develop, what kind of you know experience they're going to gain, and what kind of coaching and mentorship they're going to you know learn from. So I mean, I, I mean, I wish them all the best. If, if all these players could can work out, that'd be cool. But I mean, I, I like the picks, and I'm happy with them. Uh, we didn't go out and lose anyone, or we didn't you know give away a pick and trade. Well, I mean, we got exactly what we wanted. I mean, like you were talking about, uh, I think Krebs, he would have been cool to get. That that would have been awesome, and I think he's going to heal from his injury. He's going to be the player that uh, he's meant to be, and he's going to thrive in Vegas, I believe. Uh, another one I was shocked with was uh, Caulfield. Uh, yeah, he, I know he's he's a smaller side. He's short. Look at Alex DeBrin. He's short. Uh, Patrick Kane, uh, I think it was, you know, was kind of hesitant. People were saying he was too small to play in NHL. And look at everything he's accomplished. But I mean, he he dropped to the Montreal Canadiens, and they got an absolute gem. And I think. You know him dropping that far is gonna just motivate him more to you know to score goals, and he's still a young kid. I think guys are men stop growing at age what twenty three or twenty four something like that. So he, I mean, he's not gonna go six two six three. He's gonna be a smaller type player, but I think he's gonna do some damage. And I, I think you know I wish him all the best of luck. And it's sad, it's unfortunate that his size was a big factor, but he scored you know as many goals as he did, being undersized and and being under appreciative. Uh, underappreciated. So I think when he gets to the NHL and he makes it, he's going to just try that extra, you know, that harder. And 
and you know get to the ring first and be the last one to leave and just try to prove everyone wrong. I, I wish him the best of luck. And I think you you comment on Twitter too, Thomas. Uh, you know, do it. We got Ben Tracy. I'm looking to you know you know to seeing a few years from now how these players pan out, and we can just you know have another show. Three of us talk about it like, hey, you know, two years ago's draft, we got this player, and boom, and we just go from there. Yeah. Caulfield is one of the most interesting players in this draft, and when he was available at nine with Zegris, I I was torn. I wanted Zegris because he's that you know passing center the Ducks need, but uh, Caulfield's offensive ability to score those goals he had, I think it was over seventy goals in sixty games last season. Uh, I would have been tempted to take him at nine instead. So I'm thrilled he went to Montreal because. I think like to bring Kat, he's going to be a 40 goal scorer very soon. So I'm glad he's playing in the East and not against Anaheim often. Cause I think a lot of teams are going to regret not picking him. I think, I don't think the ducks will, cause I think they'll be happy with Zegras, but you know, I think Arizona taking Soderstrom, I think Detroit taking, uh, Oh God, what was the guy, his name? Yeah. Cider. Thank you. Um, I think they're going to really regret not taking Caulfield when they had him. Um, because I think he's just going to score a ton of goals for Montreal. Yeah, you kind of worked into the next question I was going to ask you, Thomas, is uh, like what Eddie was talking about as far as you never know with some of these players, and we saw certain players, as both of you mentioned, go a little bit lower than what we thought or whatnot. Uh, any big surprises for you in this draft, Thomas, uh, besides what you already talked about? Any Anybody else that you thought, wow, this guy should have gone higher, or this guy should have gone lower? Um, you know, Really anything in the draft that uh, caught your eye? So Caulfield was the big drop. Uh, him and Krebs were the two big drops for me. I thought Anaheim could have taken any of them at nine and been very, very happy with the player they got. I the big drops. Well, so a riser for me um, were defensemen. This is not. This was not supposed to be a defensive-heavy draft going into it. Bowen Byram was supposed to be the clear-cut number one defenseman, probably the only one taken in the top ten. He went fourth overall to Colorado, which, by the way, they had a great draft. But but no, no more was supposed to be taken until like you know 12, 13, 14. Detroit took Cider at six. Uh, Edmonton took Broberg at eight. So that was three of the top ten picks ended up being defensemen. And that's ultimately why Zegers fell to Anaheim was because those defensemen were taken before them, which you know made me absolutely thrilled. Vancouver, they took um, – I'm going to butcher his name – uh, Vasily Podkolzin. He's a Russian player, and from what everyone saw, is just you know incredibly skilled. If he played in Canada, he'd be a top five pick. But because he's in the KHL for the next two years, and he said he'll honor that deal, I think that scared some teams off. Um, Florida took Spencer Knight. He's a goaltender, the only goaltender to go in the first round of the draft this year. I don't think any goalies went in the first round in the last couple of years. Um, it just doesn't happen anymore. People are saying he's the next great American goalie. Goaltending, though, it's incredibly hard to predict. So, I mean, they said about Rick DiPietro, and his career didn't exactly uh, go as planned. And then Jordan Binnington comes out of nowhere to uh, win the Stanley Cup. Um, so, goalies are hard to predict, but most people are very confident in him. So, we'll see how he does. Uh, who else? I like what Winnipeg did. They took uh, Vili Hanola 20th overall. Um, I was actually hoping he was going to drop to the Ducks at 29. I uh, like his game a lot. The uh, Flyers took uh, a defenseman, uh, Cam York. He was another player on the uh, U.S. national development team. 
like I said, they got seven of the top 15 picks were from that one team, which is absurd. And John Beecher was chosen 30th overall to make it eight players from that one team in the first round. And I don't remember if I saw the final numbers, but I think like 17 of the 18 skaters on that team last year were chosen somewhere in the draft. That's just how good they were. Um, The Ducks got two of them. Hopefully both work out. Yeah, but this was a very American-heavy draft because of that team. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing that stuck out to me when I saw that. I mean, I expected uh, there to be that influence in there, but not just not as high of the numbers. So that was, that was I mean, great, you know, if you're a Team USA guy. I know we have listeners from different countries and rooting for different teams as well. But um, for the hometown uh, fans of the red, white, and blue, I mean, yeah, there was a whole heavy amount of those guys getting picked, and a lot of them early, as you said. Uh, Eddie, as far as the draft, anything else you want to add? Any surprises or any comments? Um, anything maybe about Denver? I know you, you covered them as well for the Puck Network. So anything you, else you want to add to uh, about the draft? Well, oh, yeah. Like Tom said, at, uh, the Avalanche did a great job on the draft. And they have some key players. A few of the players are probably going to be ready next season to play. Uh, Cam York was from Anaheim Hills. So that was kind of interesting. It had been kind of – he's a good defenseman too as well when I was researching him. It would have been kind of cool to getting, a, I guess, a local boy. But just the Americans just kind of kicking ass in this draft. That, that's really cool to see. Uh, I, I know this is, you know, this is Canada's game, but it's just this game keeps growing and expanding to new levels. And I, I love to see the growth of the game and, you know, bringing more, you know, American players that are interested and they grow up and playing hockey. I, it's kind of unheard of. Like, I mean, I still tell people, I, I go out in places and tell people, like, I only watch hockey. Like, oh, you, you from Canada or from, you know, back east? Like, no, I grew up in, you know. I grew up locally, and so I actually grew up in the LA County area. So that's even like less hockey. But I, I, I mean, it, it was kind of interesting. It was fun. Um, there wasn't too much action trade wise. I guess that that PK Subban one was the biggest one, but that was announced before the draft. But it was officially announced at the draft. So I guess that was the biggest one. But overall, it was a, a win for the Americans, and also a Tampa Bay Lightning getting Nolan Foot. Now that's like all those those. You know, like two feet or something like that. That's crazy. Uh, I know Adam Foots over there. I think he's gonna stay with his kids. He he left the uh, he left. I guess he was a development defenseman coach for the Avalanche, helping them out. But he left to spend time with his kids and help develop. So I mean, they have pretty much three feet over there. So that's gonna be interesting. And it's kind of cool having you know playing with your brother. They have that interesting chemistry. They grew up probably shooting shooting pucks at the at the washing machine or the garage and pissing off the neighbors. They have chemistry and it's just gonna help them build and you know, I wish, you know, the foot family and all of them the best of luck. It's just it's it's kinda awesome to see Tampa Bay get both of them. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to kind of see how each of these players, you know, who's gonna be the bus, who's gonna be the next superstar. Spencer Knight going to the Florida Panthers. And once they picked him, it, I think everyone kind of assumed that uh Roberto Luongo would you know, go ahead and retire and we'll go ahead and talk about that later. But that was kind of a like foreshadowing for Florida to take him at number 13. But I mean, as far as that, I mean, everything kind of worked out for the best. Yeah, no, you brought up some other good points too. kind of our next uh, talking segment as well with, you know, the trades and whatnot that had happened over this last week. It didn't seem like a whole lot was going to happen at the beginning of the draft. As you mentioned, you had the, the Subban deal went down. Uh, so the Devils ended up getting uh, Hughes and Subban. So, you know, they're you know going to be a tough team, obviously, uh, to look out for. But there were some other trades too, Thomas, that came up that were kind of interesting. 
Uh, I think the Marlowe one was one that we were watching. We did talk about in the last show that, you know, we knew he was pretty much going to be leaving Toronto. That wasn't a surprise. Uh, what did you think about that trade or any other trades that kind of happened in this last week or so? So at the draft, there were the three trades. There was a Subban deal, which New Jersey's going to be, I think, a lot of fun to watch next year, which is a really weird thing to say about them. I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever described New Jersey as fun. Very, very good, but never fun. Um, but you know, Subban's one of my favorite players. I wish he could have found his way to Anaheim. There was the Patrick Marlowe deal. It was purely a cap dump on Toronto's part because they got all of those restricted free agents signed by Mitch Marner. You know, they got back a sixth round pick, um, and they gave up Marlowe, a seventh rounder, and a first round pick. Which you know, that's the price of getting rid of a out of a large contract. And um, I think this deal shows why the Ducks couldn't trade Perry because t- to trade Perry, it probably would have taken the Ducks giving up a first round pick and. Murray doesn't like to do that. The only one I can think of was in the Patrick Eves deal, and that was conditional on um, the Ducks making the conference finals and Eves playing in half the games. Um, that happened. Eves then probably got hurt, of course, but you know, Murray's only willing to do that when he th- it's clearly helping the Ducks um, in a significant way. So to trade a first-round pick, just get rid of Perry, it wasn't worth it to him. So Marlowe's in Carolina. It sounds like they'll want him to play for them, but they also might buy him out because he might only be interested in playing uh, back in San Jose. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, Carolina, they get a first-round pick out of the deal. And possibly a year of Marlowe, possibly not. But, you know, first-round picks uh, in this day and age in the salary cap league, uh, they're goal to a team. you got to uh, find them. And then the uh, other trade of the draft was uh, Miller from Tampa to Vancouver. And again, it was purely a cap dump by uh, Tampa Bay. You know, they need that money to re-sign uh, Braden Point. And I saw, the best comment I saw about these three deals is Patrick Marlowe, uh, Miller, and Subban were all traded on the same day. And the only deal that didn't involve a first-round pick was Subban, which is absurd to think about, given his talent level so much higher than the other two players who were moved. <laughs> no, that, that's a good point. I didn't hear that comment. That, that is good. But I think the other point that you made is is very valid the one involving Perry as far as trying to have to give up a first round pick. Uh, Eddie and I really talked a lot about uh, retaining the salary on the last two shows. If that you know how much that was going to be, uh, as far as the Ducks trying to move him, the limited amount of teams, of course. But you're right. It, the other option is picks, and I don't see Murray trying to give up a first round pick just to move Perry out. So I think that's. Really, like you said, kind of a combination of things. I think it's what Eddie talked about earlier in the show as far as him only giving a four-six team list. So he limited the options that Murray could do. And Murray not being willing to obviously want to do a first-round pick. Like you said, he's pretty stingy with those. So I think all that put together really just forced his hand and went towards the buyout. That That's kind of my two cents. Uh, and like you said, it may work out in Perry's favor. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, I did write that one article on the, the uh, Pens and Pucks talking about Pittsburgh's interest in Perry. Uh, I actually heard that the day of the draft. Uh, one of my sources close to, to uh, Perry's camp told me that. So you can watch for that. It may not happen, but he just said that, that was a team. I know that uh, Pierre Lebrun said Nashville, which everybody barked at that one. Uh, so that was the other big one that kind of came out. But, of course, he's looking at multiple teams. He's not looking at one. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, – what did you think about the trades, Eddie? I know there was one with Soderberg too involving the Avalanche. I don't know if you want to talk about that one or any of these other trades or uh, all of it, whatever you want to comment on. 
I mean, all the trades made sense except the Subban one. Uh, it was surprising there wasn't anything more to go from it. He's a he's an elite defenseman. He's a really good defenseman, and him being traded twice already by two different teams, I'm starting to think it, it might be a locker room issue. Maybe I mean, yeah, he's a fun guy. We see his videos. He's great with the community and the fans, and his work ethic on the ice. But I don't know if there's something more to that because I, I just can't imagine you trading a, a defenseman of his caliber, especially and you don't include a first round at all. It's just two second rounds, a roster player. It's really not significant and a prospect. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I definitely think it's you know it's you know, just to get out of his, his salary, his cap. Uh, that, that's the main part of it. But I, I begs it different. I think you could have got more for PK Subban, especially with other teams that need that that top defenseman on their team. I just I don't know what they were thinking in Nashville. I know people are saying Nashville to try to go out and Matthew Shane or some big time free agent that need that you know that space that money. So I don't know if New Jersey took advantage of it, but I mean. It seems like New, uh, New Jersey takes advantage of a lot of teams. that They trade for a Taylor Hall, and they just gave up Larson for it. One-for-one one trade, that's, that's pretty much like nothing. And, you know, Taylor Hall's a great player. He's working out fine over there. And others, he hasn't really uh, signed a, an extension yet, and he's not really thinking about that until moving forward. But I think with P.K. Subban you know, being added to the team and Jack Hughes, I think it's going you know, to persuade him to sign an extension with New Jersey and him ultimately – you know, thinking he can win a cup over there. It, that's kind of crazy saying New Jersey going to win a cup. I mean, last time they won a cup, they beat Anaheim. I mean, that's, that still kind of stings, but, well. And Colorado, I don't know what the hell's going on with Joe Sackett. Or like, well, I don't know what's going on. He traded Carl Soderberg to Arizona for uh, Kevin Connaughton and a third-round pick in the 2020 draft. And that f- opens him up for about you know, approximately 30 30- nine million dollars in cap space and uh, we had rumors of you know the meeting with i think adrian dater of uh, colorado now said that his agent met with colorado uh last week and you know colorado's gonna meet with uh, a few other players but in you know e- even with finding someone like panarin and then you know, restricted free agent miko ratman that's which gonna get a huge raise maybe it's gonna be definitely in the eight plus that's just the minimum he's gonna get he's gonna get a big raise but even signing both of them to say to each $10 million contracts, they still have a lot of money to work with over $19 million. So I, I don't know what Joe Sackick has under his sleeve to kind of, you know, trade away a player that had his best season with you scoring 49 points and sending him to Arizona. But that, that's going to be interesting to see what Colorado does come July 1st or if they have other players they're talking to. I, I do know the um, posted earlier the captain, the former captain that talked about loyalty uh, in uh, uh, in the Islanders, uh, Andres or, Anders Lee, whatever, I'm saying his name wrong. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a movie right now. Um, but I guess he's supposed to meet with the Avalanche too. So, I mean, we're going to see what they're going to do. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Avalanche do. And, and, you know, I have a lot of love for them, especially being stationed in Colorado. And I'm glad I cover, you know, the Denver Avs portion of it. So I keep my ties with them too. And sometimes it gets kind of hard splitting both the work. But I, mean, I still love it because I'm, I'm double knowledgeable on two teams on top of everything else I look for. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And especially the Ducks to Mike and Thomas. I know Mario asked a question about uh, switching forward to the Ducks since Perry's gone. And then we have Kessler, you know, pretty much going to sit most of the scene, if not all of it. Um, who's the next assistant captains he, he was talking about? And I, I threw out some names that I thought that would, you know, probably be good as a Silverberg, Cam, uh, Henry, Grant, and Raquel. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of those names. Um, and yeah, we can switch to the Ducks because, uh, you know, free agency is coming up. The Ducks did do some moves as well. 
Um, before we go into that, though, uh, what do you think as far as assistant uh, captains, Thomas? Who would you throw in there with, uh, obviously, like uh, Eddie said, Kessler being out most likely the whole season? I think those are all great picks by Eddie. I think Grant's probably a long shot uh, just because, you know, it's a one-year deal. Uh, he's not going to be here long-term. I think Fowler's the one that makes the most sense. Uh, he's been here the longest of all of them. He signed long-term. He's got, what, seven more years on his contract? So I think he makes a ton of sense. Henrique was just re-signed, so, and he's shown a lot of leadership. I think both of them have worn it in the past in games when Kessler and Perry weren't in. Raquel, and uh, I think, is a really interesting one. It would remind me of when they gave Kunitz the A way back in the day, giving it to one of the young up-and-coming players, and I think Raquel would be a great choice. And then Silverberg is another good choice, just with that uh, recent extension he signed as well. So they're all great choices. I don't think the Ducks can go wrong with any of them. I agree with you, uh, both of you. So uh, let's like shift gears and we'll talk about what the Ducks have been doing uh, lately. So they did do uh, some qualifying offers and didn't do some qualifying offers, Thomas. Uh, you wrote the article on that. What did you think? Uh, you know, start start with the two that got the offers and the three that didn't. And we'll kind of talk about that. So the two that did were uh, Chase DeLeo and Justin Cluse. Um Chase DeLeo, the Ducks got uh, a year, almost a year ago for Cadillas. He's been great with the goals. Um, he left them in assists. I think he was second in points. Qualifying him was a no-brainer. The Ducks got Cluse from uh, Minnesota for uh, Aberg partway through the season. You know, he fitted really nicely uh, on a scoring line with the goals. You know, had a great run of the regular season and then had, I think it was nine points in 16 playoff games. Um, so he fit in very well. You know, neither one will probably get much playing time with Anaheim next season. Um, if either does, my money's on DeLeo or Recluse. But they're both very important players uh, for San Diego, especially as, you know, Steele, Terry, Jones are all probably heading to Anaheim this coming season. So the uh, goals will need some uh, talent down there, and those two will really fill that. The three players that weren't given qualifying offers were uh, Jake Dotchin, Trevor Murphy, and Keaton Thompson. Of these three, Dotchin was the uh, biggest surprise to me. We, he was in Tampa before us. Um, they cut him uh, because of uh, weight issues, I believe. So, you know, the Ducks signed him to a deal. And, uh, you know, he wasn't great in Anaheim, but I thought he played pretty well in the bottom pairing. I thought he played pretty well in San Diego. So I, I was surprised to not see him qualified. He's now a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. Uh, but the Ducks can still sign him. So maybe they would like him back, but at uh, less than they were paying him last season. His uh, cap hit was over 800000 So maybe they, if they do bring him back, it'll be for less than that. Because um, I still think he's a very uh, useful player. And especially with how much transition Anaheim's defense is going to go through this summer, potentially. Uh, just having a veteran blue liner to plug in when they need a, a warm body could be very, very viable this season. Murphy, he wasn't a surprise to see gone. He signed a deal in the KHL beginning of this month. I forget exactly when. So it wasn't surprising to see him not qualify, but it was disappointing. He was great with the goals. Before he arrived, they were floundering at the bottom of the AHL. He got there. He stabilized the blue line. He made them a much better team and was arguably their MVP last season. Um, so it's really uh, disappointing to see him uh, take 
his play overseas, but I get it. He wasn't getting a chance in the NHL. He's probably getting a lot more money playing uh, for the KHL. Yeah, I agree uh, with everything you mentioned in the article. I think uh, the one that surprised me too was uh, Jake Dotson. I think uh, it might be something like you said, may- maybe because of the cap hit and then having to try and qualify him at that amount. Maybe they're going to wait and then try and get him at a little bit lesser amount or something like that. That's really the only thing I saw in there. Um, I don't know, Eddie, if you had anything that you you saw in here, uh, if, if you like these or disliked uh, any of the moves that they made. But that's kind of my two cents. Uh, four out of five of them, I'm not uh, surprised. Uh, it was just the Dutchman part for me. Well, Chase DeLeo had 55 points of the goals last season. So he's a, an important part of their team. And who knows, he has that confidence in scoring those 55 points. And he, he only played one game with the Ducks last season, uh, maybe if – you know, he might get an opportunity to be called up, but I, I agree with Thomas. I think they want him more with the goals, but you never know. He can come up and have that, bring that confidence and that, that scoring touch to the Ducks. If, you know, you know, bearing any injuries, knock on wood. But I mean, for the last few seasons, we've been dealing with that. So I, I, I didn't uh, I like those two, um, those two, uh, qualifying offers. As far as Dotchin, I think they're, they're worried about him. He had, uh, that weight problem, you know, not being in shape coming to camp for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe they want to see how his uh, workout routine or his discipline is this summer before they offer him a contract and see if he's going to be, you know, ready to play. So they might be like something, you know, might be monitoring that and, and make sure it's not like a continuously uh, habit that he, he gets gets in the offseason and just forgets that he's a professional hockey player and just starts doing whatever he wants and it doesn't train well enough. So maybe it's just like motivation for him to, Hey, you have to like stay in shape. You have to keep training. Yeah. You can go have your fun. It's your time off, but you still have to remember you're a professional hockey. So that's the only probably logical reason I can see the ducks not qualify him quickly so they can, you know, monitor his progress and kind of motivate him more. And it's, and of course the money issue too, they can sign him for you know, a much lower deal than they would have qualifying him. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said too, as well. And the ducks, uh, made some more moves too. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was just recently that the Ducks did announce that they re-signed uh, Miller, Holzer, and Grant. So I know we were excited about that. Eddie and I had mentioned the, all three of those players coming back before. So I know he and I are in agreement of that. Uh, Thomas, any thoughts on those three guys returning to the team uh, next season? Happy to see him back. I think Miller's a great backup. Um, you know, he signed for just over a million, so it's a great contract. He's getting older. It's a one-year deal, but you know, I think he's a very, very good backup. I like Holzer a lot. He's not a great NHL player, but you know, he's a good bottom six, number seven defenseman. When he's sent to San Diego, he goes there. He plays hard. When he's in the lineup, he's playing hard. When he's on the bench, not playing, he's not complaining. He's just there to do his job, and that's to play hockey when he's called upon. So he just gives a very honest effort. He reminds me a bit of Joe DePenta. Um, just that player, you you go out there. You know what you're going to get from him every single time. It's not going to be this great, amazing play. It's going to be the safe play, and it's usually going to be the right play. So, you know, as that seventh defenseman, as that call it from San Diego, I think it's great having him back. And then, you know, Derek Grant, I thought last summer it was a mistake to let him go. Sure, it was a career year, but he fit in really well with the Ducks. And, you know, when there was a time he was the Ducks' number one yeah, center. Yeah, elite center number one. <laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, that was crazy. Um, so I liked his game. I thought it was a mistake to let him go. I was happy to bring him back. Not the cost of playing DC, but I was happy to have him back. Um, so I'm glad to have him around for next season. You know, he's gonna, he's a good third, fourth line center. He's going to play in the PK. And, you know, if 
uh, Steele comes in and Steele isn't quite ready for that full NHL load, Grant's going to be there to help shoulder that burden um, of just, you know, I gave him spot use. If Steele is struggling in one game, you know, Grant can take his minutes for that night and then hopefully Steele will bounce back the next night because, you know, it's hard for young players sometimes to really fully adjust. So if that happens with Steele, if that happens with Comtois or the players, you've got Grant there who can just plug in as you need to. So I really like this signing. Yeah, I, that's how Eddie and I feel. Uh, we, were, we were ecstatic to have Miller back, uh, you know, to give Gibson um, some breaks, hopefully more so this next season. Like you said about Holzer, he is what you're going to get. He's not going to put up, you know, any crazy numbers, but he's not going to do anything incredibly uh, awful either. I mean, he's going to play his minutes and, and he's going to be there, like you said, the bottom three pairing, maybe the uh, the seventh guy to rotate in and out. And of course, Grant, fan favorite, elite number one center. <laughs> you, you know, same thing. He's he's great in his bottom six role. He can always fill in the top six as well, too. So I, I'm glad they got all these guys back. So those were good moves as well. Uh, another thing we kind of learned actually today while we were recording the show it was kind of alluded to, but then we found out that the Ducks did start their development camp, and uh, Francois Beauchemin was out there on the ice. So it looks like uh, it's not official from the team, but he may have some kind of development role like uh, Todd Marchant has. So he was out there on the ice. We also found out that uh, Kevin Bieksa was present, talking to some uh, team officials. He wasn't on the ice, so we don't know if he's going to try to come back as a player or a coach or whatnot, or if he was just there visiting but uh, he was in the building as well. So uh, some other, you know, I, I definitely like Boschman being out there, a great mentor, of course, you know, solid uh, defenseman, obviously with the Ducks several times throughout his career and, and a couple other teams as well. So some good things to see there uh, as the Ducks start the development camp. They're also going to have an open session this Saturday, so you can uh, go down there at 10 o'clock. Uh, Coach uh, Akins is going to be down there as well too, so some things to look forward to. Uh, as this team starts to turn around and, and get ready for next season. But uh, as we talk about that and where the Ducks are going, we've talked about the draft and the resignings and whatnot. We'll f- finish the show up basically with the free agency uh, and who we think uh, maybe the Ducks will go after or who do we think that uh, you know we want to come to Anaheim. Uh, Bob Murray's been a little bit different as we've talked about throughout the show. So I'll, I guess I'll start off with Eddie uh, looking at some of these free agents. I know uh, Matt Duchesne's been high on your list, but as far as uh, the Ducks, who, who would you want the Ducks to try to get, or who do you think the Ducks might try to get? I guess either either one, however you want to take this question, but we'll kind of finish it up with uh, free agency as it's coming up right around the corner here on July 1st, and obviously we'll have a show after that. But uh, what do you think, Eddie, on, on some of this uh, players that could be available for the Ducks? And don't mention Corey Perry. We already had that on Twitter. So anybody else besides Corey Perry, uh, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'm drafting up an article that would be ready by Friday and posted, hopefully. Um, just kind of breaking down all the top free agents. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to talk about Duchesne and Panarin, Bobrovsky, even though chances of us getting him are kind of, you know, I have a better chance of getting a date with Kate Upton probably. So, I mean, but I, I mean, more logical, someone like Matt Zuccarello, uh, Pavelski, I don't know if he'd be interested in coming to the Ducks, but, you know, he scored those, you know, a lot of goals last season, 38-39 goals last season. Wayne Simmons would be a player that I would love to have. He's that physical, kind of a Perry replacement 2.0. He, he, he has the speed. He has that scoring ability. And if for the right price, it'd be something uh, worth looking forward to. And I've seen a lot of people mentioning Tyler Myers, and that's been in the back of my mind to kind of like you know, that big defenseman, you know, kind of solidify that top four spot. 
uh, he, he's a good one. Like I'm going to go more in depth when I, when I finish up this article, but I mean, if I were to put my money on anyone and pick someone, I'd probably uh, uh, between Matt Zuccarello and Wayne Simmons, but I'd probably go with Wayne Simmons just to get that physical, that gritty edge that the Ducks need. And uh, Thomas, what do you think as far as free agency? Some names out there that you'd like to see or think they might try to get? I, Zuccarello would be my uh, number one choice in free agency because you can sign him to a, for a free agent, relatively reasonable deal and get pretty good production out of him and it's not going to break the bank. The only problem with him is he's 32 and I've heard he wants a five-year deal. So that's a little long in my mind, but he's still the one I would uh, love to see the most. You know, Panarin, Duchesne, they'd be great to have, but I think someone's going to throw $9 million at Duchesne, and I don't think he's worth that. Seven, $8 million, okay. Nine, I- I'm walking away. Panarin might be worth that, but the Ducks are not going to pay him 9 or $10 million this summer. It's just not going to happen. Oh, he wants 10 plus too. I think he wants like $11 million or like 10.5 or something like that. He wants he wants a really big contract. Yeah, it, it'd be great, but it's not happening. So Zuccarello would be my ideal choice. I think if Pavelski would take a one-year $6 million deal, I would love him on the Ducks. But I think he wants a two- or three-year deal. So we'll see where he goes. I think a very realistic option is uh, Anton Strawman. He's been in Tampa for the last several seasons. You know, he's not a top pairing player, but he's a very uh, useful uh, second line player who the Ducks can pair in their top four or drop down to the bottom six, depending on uh, how the defensive shuffle works out. You know, the Ducks, they've got Fowler, they've got Lindholm, they've got Manson. That's their top three. That's a very solid top three. After that, though, there's a drop off. After that, it's Gooley and it's Holzer, it's Larson, it's Mahura. So you need some NHL help on the back end. I think Strollman would be a great choice to sign for a relatively cheap deal, maybe a few years um, to come in, solidify, give some mentorship until players like Larson, like Mahura, are ready to take that uh, step up into the top four on a full-time basis. So I think Strollman is the one who I think uh, would really work out well for what the Ducks are planning to do this coming season. Zuccarello, though, would be the one who uh, I would love to see in an Anaheim uniform. Yeah, I love all the names that you guys both mentioned. Some of the ones that I talked about, too. I think uh, looking at some of these, like you guys said, the Ducks, uh, according to Cap Friendly, have you know almost $11 million in cap space. And that's not even counting... Uh, you know, LTIR with Eves and Kessler. So they can, you know, they they have some room to do some things. Uh, so I'm not going to say that, you know, Matt Duchesne or Pavelski are completely out of the realm. I mean, I, I don't know that Bob will, will do a longer-term deal for a high amount like we've all discussed already on the show. But I, I wouldn't 100% rule it out just because the Ducks do have the space. They've already re-signed. I think the players are going to re-sign. They did the qualifying offers they're going to do. And whatnot. So there is a chance. I'm not saying that there's a high probability, but you know, keep your eye on those top names. And, and Eddie, like you said, will have an article on that. But I think for me, with the Ducks, I would try to go. Uh, if you're going offense, I would try to go with those players that can play two different positions at least. I think that's something that could help out with the spot. So you're looking at some of these names on here. And I mean, of course, we already mentioned Pavelski and Duchesne. Those are the higher ones up that can both play center and wing. Uh, you go down the list, there's Nyquist on there. We've talked about him on the past on, on some of the shows. Uh, you've got Johansson that can play center and wing at Boston. Uh, you've got Wayne Simmons, as you guys talked about as well. Um, so, you know, those, those are some guys. I don't I don't think Thomas Vanek or Jamie Ginn, uh, McGinn, I don't think those are ones that they'll do. But, you know, those are the kind of names, that, uh, or at least the players I look at, ones that are multi-positional. I think that's something that would help the Ducks 
um, especially with Kessler being out and the center issue, you know, being a little bit more prominent now. Uh, I do like Strawman, like you said, uh, Thomas, you know, the Ducks really do need another defenseman. I mean, if you look at it, they really have a top three, not really so much a top four. I mean, Larson maybe can creep in there. Um, we've talked about it before, but you've got Lindholm, Manson, and Fowler for sure. And then after that, it, it's still kind of up in the air. So if, if they are able to go out and get someone that could be that solid fourth guy in defense, that's what I would look at too. So those are just kind of my thoughts on it as well. Like we said, we'll have an article on it. We'll um, talk about the free agency after it happens and whatnot. And uh, just as far as uh, league news, I guess one other little thing that came up today too is uh, Robert uh, uh, Roberto Luongo, I should say, uh, retired. So that was another bit of league news. I don't know if that was a surprise to you, Eddie, or you thought you saw it coming. I know we kind of talked about it before early in the show, but what did you think about Luongo hanging up the skates? Uh, third winning as goalie. Uh, congratulations. He deserves a retirement. Uh, that guy is – I really hope he, he gets into a, a podcast or he's an analyst because I, I – just him on Twitter, and he, he's just awesome. Man, just I, – I remember way back in the day, I think it was back in 2008 or nine. he was rumored to come to the Ducks – very long time ago, I remember that. I remember someone spotted him at one of the the rinks practice. I don't know. I think he, they were playing. I think he was in Vancouver that time. They were playing the Ducks, but he was there, and everyone went crazy. I don't know if you remember that from way long ago, but you know, congratulations to him. He, he deserves nothing but the best retirement uh, to offer. I, I, he's a third winningest goalie, just behind Patrick Waugh, Martin Bordeaux. Um, you know, I, I wish she would have played one more season. That, that would have been great. It's unfortunate for uh, the Canucks and the Panthers because they're still uh, have to pay him for the next three seasons, and that's a lot of cap stuff that I don't want to get into because I haven't looked it up yet. And we, we, Yeah, that's just crazy. But another player too, uh, Colorado Avalanche, defenseman of a few hours or a day release, was Brooks Orpik retired too. So congratulations to him. And hang the banner up in Colorado for number forty-four, which is I would be happy because my uh, that's my hockey number. So I mean, any hockey number with the forty-four is okay in my book as long as they don't play for the Wild. <laughs> and uh, Thomas, any thoughts on uh, Luongo retiring, or you know, any final thoughts as we uh, close out the show? It's going to be weird not seeing Luongo in the game anymore. I remember when he was heralded as the next great goalie in the early to mid two thousands. So I, I'm, it's uh, just weird to see him now out of the game. I wasn't a fan of his when he was in Vancouver, but uh, I really have uh, become a fan of his over the last several years because of Twitter, like Eddie mentioned. Um, He's got uh, just a great personality. So uh, we need more players like that in the league, and I agree. I hope he's an analyst someday. He'd be a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, I I agree. I think he'd be a riot as well. So that's that's going to do it for the show. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Thomas, and doing the, like I said, the 50 billion articles, and I know there'll be more coming, but... If you uh, need any kind of news on the Ducks' prospects or the goals or any of the upcoming players with the Ducks, uh, Thomas is the one to reach out to. And uh, like we said, he'll have more articles on there. We'll probably try and get him on the podcast again sometime throughout the summer uh, as we keep doing shows as more and more Ducks news comes up. So uh, with that, we'll wrap up and let's go Ducks.